Today's episode of The Keith Law Show is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Keith Law, and welcome to episode seven of the Keith Law Show. I'll be doing something a little different this week, talking prospects and especially movies with my friend Chris Crawford of NBC Sports and Roto World. Since we're all staying home or should be, we thought it might be a good time to talk about our favorite movies of 2019, just about all of which are now available to stream or rent online. First, I'd just like to talk for a moment about my upcoming book, The Inside Game, Bad Calls, Strange Moves, and What Baseball Behavior Teaches Us About Ourselves, which will come out on April 21st from HarperCollins. I use concepts from cognitive psychology like recency bias, outcome bias, and moral hazard, borrowed from behavioral economics, to explain some of the worst or most inexplicable decisions in baseball history. You can pre-order the book now anywhere, and I particularly recommend bookshop.org, which helps to promote and support local bookstores, which really need our help at this point. I've also written two pieces for subscribers to The Athletic in the last week. The first looked at Earl Weaver Baseball, which was my favorite baseball computer game when I was a kid. I played a ton of it in high school, which is about when it came out. And it included quotes from lead developer Eddie Dombrower, who was kind enough to talk to me at some length about the game. Talked about how Earl Weaver was involved in its development and why that was the game that took baseball statistics more seriously than any other video game had up until that point. The second of my new pieces revisited the currently backburnered topic of minor league contraction and realignment, the specter of which still hangs over the minors, even though all of professional baseball is currently shut down. Now it is my pleasure to be joined by my longtime friend and former colleague at ESPN, Chris Crawford. Chris is now a staff writer for NBC Sports and Roto World, where he focuses on prospects, particularly talking prospects from a fantasy perspective, which we'll cover a little bit. But the thing you need to know about Chris is that he is a movie buff, big time movie buff. Puts me to shame what the movies he sees with how fast he sees them and how many he sees each year. Chris and I uh, each year have a project between us to try to see as many of the Oscar nominees as we can. I think he beat me this year. Uh, in the last two years, we did just a one-off podcast around the time of the Oscars where we talked about the nominations, who we thought should win, why Green Book was terrible, and so on. We never did that this year, but with everyone stuck at home, we thought it might be a good time to actually do that, talk about movies that maybe folks haven't seen yet, but all home with time to watch on streaming, so we'll focus specifically on movies we recommend that are available to watch digitally. Chris, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. How's everything going for you? Oh, good, good. Trying to watch a few movies. We also watched Love is Blind on Netflix, which was terrible, <laughs> um, and I will never get those hours back. Um, I yeah, need to, like, ti- Tiger King at least was – might have been empty calories, but it was entertaining. But Love is Blind, I'm, I'm out. Yeah, I think, speaking of Tiger King, it's one of those things where I think some people like it for the wrong reasons. If you're liking it just because you like to people watch and uh, make fun of uh, that area of the country, I don't think you're, I think you're missing the point. But I think the, I think the actual documentary is really well done and it tells a kind of an important story, one that I wasn't all that familiar with. So uh, from that perspective, I enjoyed it and I, I laughed at some people too. I'm not a perfect human being, but it's, it's <laughs> certainly something to watch while everything's going on for sure. 
Yes, we're all looking for that. Actually, last night I even went on both Netflix and Hulu and just started adding stuff to watch lists so that there's no more like, wait, what are we watching next? I don't know. There's too many things to decide. So shut up. Whatever's next in the queue, that's what we watch. <laughs> that's smart. That's uh, that's one way to take uh, all the guesswork out of it. I mean, they know us. There's, we're just a little bit away from <laughs> Grizzle sending us personalized gifts, so might right. as well. A drone comes to your door and says, watch this next. I'm with it. So let's talk a little baseball first. Now, with the understanding, I think listeners know by this point, certainly, we don't know when the season's going to start or how long it'll be. But what if? If the season starts in July 1st or so, we get half a season in. Um, One of the things Chris and I both write about is prospects, obviously. And for Chris, I think for you, I think even more than it is for me, there's a particular interest in who's going to do what this year because fantasy owners want to know who to pick in their drafts. So I know you wrote a little bit about this in the winter. Granted that could change now, but who were some of the prospects you were expecting to have some kind of real impact? It could be real life impact or fantasy impact, whichever way you want to go with this, but you thought we're going to have a big impact in 2020. Sure. And I think it it kind of ties together, especially with guys for 2020. Um, The first guy that comes to mind actually for me is Gavin Lux is just because I think he had, um, the most clear path now I'm talking before the winter, as soon as Luis Roberts signed that extension, apparently Keith, if you sign an extension, it automatically makes you, uh, eligible to play major league baseball. It's Ooh. just one of those. It's amazing. How Big he, if true. Just all, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's funny how that stuff works, but I really like Lux. I think he's a guy who's going to be able to provide, uh, Solid defense up the middle. He's going to be able to hit for a decent average. I think he's going to be his power. I think is underrated. He's really improved his strength since he was a guy that we were watching in the draft out of Wisconsin. Um, I really think that he's going to be the guy who provides uh, solid floor uh, and has more ceiling than I think people are talking about. And then of course, Luis Robert, uh, a guy who can do a little bit of everything. And the only question I have with him really is, it's probably the same question you have, Keith is, whether or not he's going to be able to get on base at a high enough clip to to justify those other tools playing. But the power is legit. He's got elite bat speed. He makes hard contact everywhere. I guess the key for Luis Robert might be also uh, just Keith not watching him play because it seems like every time <laughs> he saw him, it's just, he just didn't seem to uh, have a lot of success. But those are the two guys. And then on the pitching side, uh, Lazardo is just one of those pitching prospects. It's just a matter of if he can stay healthy because that stuff is filthy and he locates it so well. There are times when I'm watching Lazardo pitch that if I'm not looking at the screen, I'll, I'll and if I don't see the miles per hour, I'll assume that that pitch was a, a changeup or a breaking ball because it has so much movement on it. We saw that especially in the in the playoff game. He was pretty much the only one who really showed up for the A's in that one game playoff. But but those are kind of the three guys that. It, from a fantasy perspective, especially, those are the three guys I think I'd be targeting early. So Lux was fourth on my overall prospect list, and this is everybody. So Wander Franco won. He's not going to play in the majors this year. But Lux was fourth. No. Luis Robert was sixth. I agree with you. It's it's a contact issue for me. It's what is he going to do? He's going to get crushed with velocity inside, and he's going to have to show that he can adjust to that because I think his swing is just going to get him around a lot of those or he's going to end up cutting through a lot of those pitches, and it's going to be hard for him to cover – uh, both there, both that hard stuff on the inner third, and then still be able to cover the outer edge of the plate. And Luzardo was 26th on my overall list, but it was for the reason you just mentioned, right? By stuff wise, Luzardo would be 
10 spots higher stuff, command control. He's just got no track record of staying healthy. I don't know. Like, I feel like with a pitcher who's had a history of getting hurt, there's just more likelihood that he's going to continue to get hurt, but we don't know that he's going to get continue to get hurt. It is a bit like a, trying to guess at a probability. Just say, I think he's more likely to get hurt than, say, Daniel Lynch or Luis Patino, guys I have ranked right. higher, who, do, who don't have the injury history that Luzardo does. No, that makes it, that makes an awful lot of sense. And I think that, honestly, that kind of plies into the guy who was next on my list for pitching was Nate Pearson is mm. with Luzardo and Pearson. Yeah, it's those are two guys that we just really haven't seen healthy seasons from. So those you have to take that risk in, and the fact that uh, with the way baseball is going now, especially from the from the fantasy angle, we could see those guys moved into that bulk role, which hurts their fantasy prospectus a little bit, just because uh, you're not going to get as many innings pitched. There is a little bit less of a risk of uh, getting that win. <laughs> Boy, would I love to see fantasy get rid of that category <laughs> someday. But it's not going to happen because it's just one of those easy five by five categories. But but that's that's the that's the absolutely the case with both Lizardo and Pearson. Their their stuff is unquestioned, and they especially Pearson has improved his command so much. I mean, everyone thought that guy was going to be a reliever coming out of junior college. I think, but uh, he his stuff is absolutely filthy, and uh, the fact that he's kind of developed that arsenal a little bit more. He's not just a a fastball slider guy that there are a couple other pitches that can keep hitters honest. Uh, it's just that the volatility of pitching prospects, it's real. Another, I was going to ask you about Pierce since you already uh, mentioned him. The the other pitcher I could see high on my list, at least having an impact in, in any length of season this year. And I wonder if some of these guys are better off with the shorter season. Will teams just say, you know what the heck with it? We'll just, get this guy on our quote unquote opening day roster, even if it means giving him a full season, because at least you're not messing around with workloads, like trying to back mm-hmm. guys off early. Um, we may still see service time manipulation. I'm just hoping we don't. But uh, the other guy was that you didn't mention was Dustin May, who right. I have ranked seventh overall. I think he's actually my CI. Yeah, he's my number two pitching prospect. And part of it is he's been healthy. He's been healthier than Pearson, even healthier than Lynch, who, who had a minor pickup last summer, but never had, you know, came back and was fine, never had surgery or anything. May's got the best track record of health. I think the a tremendous overall assortment of pitches. And just it feels like also if we're talking about 2020 impact, the Dodgers will not hesitate to use him. They did not hesitate to use Walker Bueller. They were pretty aggressive with Tony Gonsolin last year. I could see mm-hmm. May end up ending up in some kind of significant role, starter or bulk innings reliever, just something like that. He's going to matter if we play this year. Yeah, absolutely. He's one of my favorite pitching prospects as well. If if I was doing a list of just overall prospects with no fantasy angle, he would be much higher on my list. I have him tenth for the year, uh, mm-hmm. just behind a few uh, pitchers. But the because the only concern I have is just because when I did this ranking too, we didn't have a pandemic going on. And should point right. that out. Um, the Dodgers pitching, they just have so many different arms that I think they do have. They're not going to hesitate to use them. You're right. But I do think that there is going to be – I, I can definitely see them making sure that they keep that guy healthy for the long run because as much as they can help him in 2020, because they have – their I mean, they're as good a baseball team as any, if not better. I, I really think that they may want to make sure he's a guy who's helping more in 2021. I certainly think he can help in 2020. Long story short there, but – I, I do 
I do wonder if uh, the Dodgers will be a little more careful with him. But what you just brought up is a great point, too, with uh, the fact that we're going to get such a shortened season that I do wonder how many of these guys are going to uh, be called up to start the year off because <laughs> it's the way math works. The, the the A loss in one of 80 games is a lot more meaningful than a mm-hmm. loss in 162. So I, I'm, I'll be really curious to see how some teams go with that. Maybe some guys that we projected to start the year in the minors, like a like a uh, like a Pearson uh, or like an AJ Puck, I could see those guys starting the year right away with those guys, especially if we see expanded rosters, which I think is almost assuredly going to happen. Yeah, I agree. I agree on that on that on the expanded rosters question. Uh, last baseball question, then we'll talk about the real reason you're here, which is to talk movies. Uh, <laughs> do you think? And I'm going to throw names at you too. Just guys who are hurt by the half season or whatever by the shutdown we're not going to play more than half a season let's let's put that assumption out there so sure players prospects whose outlook for 2020 is significantly hurt by the shortened season a, a couple of guys who jump out at me one is just the two guys that might my, my one and two wander franco and jordan adele i thought either of those guys could see the big leagues this year i feel like that's significantly less likely not zero but significantly sure. less likely at this point, um, I think that Jared Kellenick might have gotten a cup of coffee this year. That very likely doesn't happen. Dylan Carlson is the one that really jumped out at me because right. while they were still playing games, it looked like he might make the team. And sure. he's really good. You know, it's a, I'm not even criticizing the decision. But now at this point, you're the Cardinals. You won the division last year. You're trying to make the playoffs again. Do you do that? Do you think differently now because of the half season? Because you don't want to promote, you don't want to risk promoting a player a little too fast. And maybe Carlson isn't quite ready to produce now just because of what you just said, because the value of a win right. or a loss in half a season is, is magnified. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, Carlson's a great example. That's the first name that came to my mind um, when, especially when you're going for it in a, a, a weird division, but a, a competitive one. Other, outside of the Pirates, I think everybody in that division has a chance to compete. That's that's a big risk. Um, I, the other name that came to mind to me was Mackenzie Gore, uh, a guy mm-hmm. who I think um, I don't. The Padres are so aggressive, but I can't imagine he would have made the opening day roster. But I could have seen him being a early call up in that May June area. Now that May and June are. That, just throw that all away. There's absolutely no happening. chance of having. Yep. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. Uh, maybe he's the type of guy you give give a September call up. I'll be real curious to see how that works. Assuming we do get a season, uh, but I I think that those guys do take a hit. Another guy that came to mind was uh, and maybe actually this guy has helped a little bit. Uh, Mauricio Dubon. Uh, he's one mm-hmm. of my uh, I think real underrated prospects. If I'm the Giants and if you think there's any chance of competing and I think some teams that are were not necessarily considering them contenders, and I wouldn't say the Giants were contenders, even though they mm-hmm. had that. Uh, but I would say this: I would say that everybody's odds go up quite a bit now because of, because of the uh, the shortened season. If if they get hot with some pitching, and uh, if MLB decides to do some sort of because I could totally see with the the shortened season them doing some sort of weird type playoff thing where. Um, maybe more teams make the playoffs to uh, kind of 
just make things more interesting, that type of deal. I don't know why it comes to my head, but I just could see them doing something like that. But a guy like Dubon, I think, maybe has a better chance of opening the year as their second baseman, and I think he should. I think he's their their best option up the middle, uh, a guy who can do a little bit of everything and uh, has been underrated as a prospect for a long time. So, yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to see uh, what all of this, how MLB handles this and how teams handle this, because I don't think there's an obvious answer because there's no way to know that what's right and what's wrong. We've never dealt with something like this before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk movies. Uh, since everybody's home, okay. everyone's got time to watch things. Uh, if you want to do better than Love is Blind, please, we can all do better than Love is Blind. Uh, <laughs> let's talk most – it's funny. I pulled up my own uh, ranking of movies from last year. I've looked at yours too. I think just about everything in our top tens with one exception uh, on mine is available for people to stream or rent digitally. Um, the first thing I think is just kind of funny is that independently, you and I have the same one, two, three from last year. We both had Little Women right. third, which – I thought it was amazing. Um, and I like the book. I'm in the camp of people who actually like the book. Um, uh, as opposed to, I think there's a lot of, well, let's just let the, I'm going to gender stereotype a little bit and say a lot of men who maybe think chick book. Um, I think that book's awesome. I've always liked that book. Uh, I, second, I had knives out, which I think you and I both agree is criminally underrated. Um, and why is it criminally underrated? Uh, I suspect foul play. <laughs> and then number one, of course was, Parasite. So um, I want to say specifically for Knives Out, though, my and, and I understand that movie has some flaws. I suspect that because it's genre, it just didn't. It, that's the reason it got almost nothing from the Oscars. I think it was a screenplay nomination and that was it. And I thought it was a lot better than that. And it's the movie I would actually most recommend to people say anybody would like this movie. Oh, yeah, it's it's. Honestly, the I, I I love Parasite, but the movie that I'll come back and watch multiple times from this list is Knives Out. I mean, it's such a fun movie, and I had a chance to watch it for a second time recently. Mm. And there are things I missed. It's it's really uh, it's such a well told story. It's uh, it's also a reminder that uh, he really should have gotten a chance to direct the uh, ninth Star Wars <laughs> movie. But maybe I shouldn't go into that because we'll be here a long time if I talk about that movie. Um, I still haven't even seen it. it. It's, it's, oh, please don't. Just, 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 there's so many better. Watch Love is Blind again instead of watching (laughs) Star Wars. Yeah. I I hated it. It was probably my least favorite movie of the year. Um, But back to the, back to the good movie. It's so good. And there are so many good performances. I think a lot of times when you get these huge cast together, there are just so little for a lot of the cast to do, and they're really just there to say that they were part of this movie. But that's not true in this island. Everybody is giving terrific performances. I just forgot the name of the the woman uh, who I think she just gave a starp. Anna Darmus, am I saying Anna that right? Yeah. I, I, yep. Yes. Yep. I, she, oh, she was. So she made herself good. a star. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That is when we talk about a star making performance. That is absolutely it. Daniel Craig is fantastic. Um, I love him in roles like this. A movie that you and I both liked that really was not watched was Logan Lucky. And I thought he was hilarious in that Logan movie. Logan Lucky and was I a good movie. It's a really good movie. I'll, I'll watch everything Steven Soderbergh does, even though there are some real bad Steven Soderbergh <laughs> movies. But um, that is definitely not one of them. It's terrific. Um, 
Yeah, I think Knives Out, and I think you're absolutely right about the genre thing really hurting it for the Oscars. It's just so hard to imagine that movies like Joker, and for me, I, I know you really like this movie, and I liked it too, but uh, there's no way in heck I would nominate Ford versus Ferrari over Knives Out. There's just, oh, yeah. it, it's, yeah. it's unconscionable to me to think that someone thought that that movie was more deserving than Knives Out. Um, and then, again... I've talked to people about this, that apparently the way they do the nominations will just never get 10 nominations again because it's so hard to get a consensus in that way. But seeing that empty spot instead of Knives Out just kind of broke my heart. <laughs> it's yeah. it's really sad to see. It's um, But yeah, if, of all of these movies uh, that are on demand, if I could just recommend one to watch because I think it plays well on your TV as well, I think I'd go with Knives Out. Uh, yeah, that uh, it, there were so many great running gags in that movie. By the way, yes. running, Knives yes. Out is is not available to stream free, as far as I can tell, but it's available to rent. No, it's not everywhere. On but the, uh, the my favorite running gag of the movie was the grandmother, great grandmother, I guess, depending on whose character you're talking about, and the whole <laughs> ransom. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Uh, by the way, yeah. also my my least favorite movie of last year was Frozen Two. That's really Ooh, bad. Wow. And I didn't like love the first one. My daughter loved the first one, of course. We went, there were 13 of us who went day after Thanksgiving. It was three families, all daughters, everybody. It was all daughters. And um, all the adults walked out, like all the kids walked out and basically loved it, except for my daughter, who's the oldest. And then all the adults (laughs) walked out. It's like, what the hell did we just spend all that money on? Oh, my God. (laughs) it's it's really not a very good movie um there's huge pacing problems with it like things just jump uh Mm -hmm. and i understand that it's a movie that was made to i mean all movies are made to make sell merchandise but to say that movie (laughs) like that make that movie makes cars look like an independent film like it's, (laughs) it's it's really it's really 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 hard to justify that from an artistic perspective but uh but yeah i would obviously absolutely agree that frozen 2 is not a good movie and i i thought frozen was okay the 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 villain turn in that movie still makes me mad because it's absolutely unearned but uh (laughs) but the music was great and it was the music was great in frozen but it was not that great in frozen 2 in my opinion completely agree on that one um all right so Here's another, uh, I think, a good way for us to close. Since the point of this, of having you on to talk about this stuff, was to, you know, what what do we recommend people watch? Give me, say, two movies from last year that probably most people haven't seen or maybe haven't even heard of uh, that you would recommend people try to watch, stream, rent, whatever at this point. So the first movie that comes to mind, and this was number five on my list, was a movie called The Peter Butter Falcon and when Keith found my list, I won't say what he what he said uh, about this movie, but uh, he uh, the 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 title is going to throw a lot of people off. But well, it's I think a the movie sanitized with, uh, version is "What the hell is a peanut butter falcon?" <laughs> that is absolutely correct. Um, this is a movie with uh, Shia LaBeouf, uh, Dakota Johnson, John Hawks, and a young man named Zach Gotsigan who is mentally disabled. He is a young man who wants to become a professional wrestler. And uh, Shia LaBeouf is uh, a guy who helps him down his track. Uh, they're go- They're basically running away from the situation. Dakota Johnson plays his sister. 
It is absolutely emotionally manipulative, but it is brilliant. It is so well acted. Uh, it is so touching. And I don't think I left a movie in 2019 feeling better about myself. And during this time, if you really want to see something that'll make you feel good, I can't recommend the peanut butter Falcon enough. It's, it's really, really well done. Uh, so just so you, if you're a guy person who, uh, likes to pay attention to critic scores, 96% on rotten tomatoes. So it's, it wasn't just me who enjoyed this movie. Uh, very small release, but, uh, I believe you can find that on demand, somewhere it's got to be it's got to be uh maybe amazon or something like that but it's something that i would absolutely take a look at then a much different movie that i would definitely recommend is apollo 11 um i'm a huge documentary fan and i'm also a huge fan of nasa and uh, all of that stuff so but even if you're not this is still a movie that i would absolutely wholeheartedly recommend it's absolutely gorgeous it's pieced together really interestingly. It, it really kind of at times makes you feel like you're kind of in the command center for a little bit, but it is so beautiful to look at. Uh, it's it's a longer movie, definitely one that uh, it's not one that you want to watch while you're doing work and uh, with your laptop and your screen, but it's definitely one that I would recommend. Uh, it'd be nice to see it on a big screen, but I think the movie still plays well uh, on your television or laptop. I would definitely recommend checking those two out. I think the farewell is probably a little too popular for this, right? It was ninth on my list and tenth on yours for last year, and it was it yeah. it and it should have gotten it did get Aquafina Golden Globe award and then got completely shut out, I believe, at the Oscars. Uh, Correct. That would that would probably be the first one I go to because I think just about everybody can enjoy that movie. That seems like an everybody kind of movie to me. Yeah, it's it's terrific, and I had always thought uh, Aquafina was a, a a very funny young woman. She's terrific in this. It, it, it's in the wrong hands. This could have been a really, really uh, difficult watch, and very you would be rolling your eyes like Liz Lemon every uh, every five minutes at some of the choices. But she's so good, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what's next for her. And I would say, uh, looking at the box office totals for that movie, Keith, I would say that it it would count as a. Uh, Oh. As as an under under the radar movie because it did not do well. Um, and I, you know no. what? Speaking on that line too, uh, mm-hmm. uh, just they're not that similar. But uh, Booksmart, uh, and I believe Booksmart is on Hulu. Terrific yes, movie, it is. absolutely amazing performances from uh, Caitlin Dever and Beanie Fieldstein. Uh, I really look forward to seeing uh, what Olivia Wilde does next because for that, I believe that's her first uh, directorial debut. It was terrific, absolutely terrific movie. I hated Booksmart. Oh my god, I wanted to throw something at the television. Really? I'm in the minority. People love that movie. Oh. First of all, my girlfriend pointed out that that movie is like can't hardly wait, just redone. Like it's extra- <laughs> it is ridiculously similar. Then she made me watch Can't Hardly Wait, which I don't also don't recommend. But it's like, oh my god, this is like it's all the same beats, right? It's not exactly the same, but it hits a lot of the same beats. There were just so many things in that movie that didn't quite fit even if you accept the premise which i actually think is super clever um then yeah. which basically for folks who don't know these two girls who've had no fun in high school because all they've done is study and do all the clubs and all the activities they get into the good colleges they get to the end of their senior year and find out that all the the popular kids the partiers the screw-ups yeah they all got into elite colleges too so it's like these kids these two girls gave up their 
teenage fun years to for no good reason and then decide that they're going to have one great big blast of a final night where everything like kind of sort of goes wrong. There were so many things after that that were just like weird, didn't tie together, got a little creepy at a few times where I was just like, nope, nope, you, you've lost me. I'm in the minority. I know I am. Yeah, I mean, uh, being wrong is in the minority. I guess sometimes hey. that's true. Um, no, it's, uh, I, Whose I podcast is this? This is not the Chris Crawford show. Let's just be clear. Uh, well, I mean, we'll, we'll talk afterwards Oof. about some things that are happening. But no, I really like Booksmart. <laughs> and I do I do know some people that – it's interesting you compared it to Can't Hardly Wait. The, the more – the obvious comparison for me was super bad just because it's – the tale of the two friends and uh, unfortunately, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know what the right term there is being Jonah Hill's sister, Beanie Fieldstein. It's, it's another natural comparison there. I loved it. It's um, I think the ending was a little bit too um, maybe a little too earnest for me, but, but I, I would recommend watching it. Um, but you know, Keith has his points too. Um, the ones I'll recommend other than the farewell, uh, there's a movie actually in my top 10. I'm guessing most people haven't heard of, but it was nominated for the best international film Oscar was Corpus Christi, a Polish film. It's Mm. not out to stream yet. So, uh, it was actually just hitting theaters right around the time that theaters across the country shut down, which is very unfortunate. I thought it was amazing start to finish. Um, the one that I will recommend that I think is actually also on Hulu is Wild Rose. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see that yet, but Jesse Buckley, who was so good in Beast two years ago and has a small part in Judy from last year also, she plays a Scottish woman with definite drinking problem uh, who wants to be a country music star. Jesse Buckley can really sing. She actually got her start on a singing competition show in the UK and has turned into this incredible actress. She then is kind of, she's got talent. Uh, She's obviously in the wrong country to be a country music star, but also just kind of can't get out of her own way and has a really strong, a couple of really strong uh, backup, uh, second supporting performances from Julie Walters and Sophie Okonodo. Um, It is, uh, or sorry, I think it's Okonodo actually. She, but Jesse Buckley is, absolutely a star just like she was in beast she completely owns this movie and it doesn't it it doesn't do what you expect like they don't take the cheap way out at any point right up until the ending like i think the ending is it's fair it's it is not sentimental you know how those movies are always like and then what like waitress which is a movie i actually kind of like but the way waitress ends it's like oh and then and then the money shows up and everything's fine and like that's not (laughs) Right. I, I don't. Yeah. I, okay. I, it, that's that is that's candy. Right. Give me something a little meatier. And Wild Rose actually, I think, strikes the right balance between not completely crushing this character. You've sort of had some affection for, even though she's a total screw up, but it also gives you something at the end to to satisfy that. So that that would be my uh, the farewell and Wild Rose would be my two suggestions of things that you can actually stream right now in Corpus Christi when it I assume it'll get there in a couple of weeks. That, those, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, that's directed by Tom Harper, I believe, who uh, has done a few uh, – a guy that I've, I've heard some really good things about. One other streaming movie that uh, – it's a smaller movie. It's called Avengers Endgame. Um, oh, God. It's, it's a quaint little tale about – There is nothing uh, small about that movie. It's a quaint little tale about some friends who get together to overcome uh, some obstacles. It uh, – didn't do very well at the box office, but I really hope it, it finds a new life uh, on demand. 
Oh, thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for that paid advertisement by the Walt Disney Corporation. Yeah. Oh, I should be promoting Universal stuff. Uh, Fast and That's the Furious. True. Fast and the Furious. See all, see all 18. Uh, eight, 18 of those movies. And if uh, the world doesn't end, see the ninth one when it comes out next year. Yep. Exactly. You can find Chris on Twitter at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B for minor league baseball. And you can also find his work at NBC Sports and Roto World. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, buddy. If you've listened to any other podcasts at The Athletic, you know one of the things we're all trying to do is try to encourage people to help support local businesses as much as they can during the economic shutdown. I live in Wilmington, Delaware, just outside of the city proper. And there are still a few places open here in food service. And I've been trying, my girlfriend and I have been trying to do takeout once a week and visit a, a few of these places safely. Obviously, we're limiting how much we go out of the house. But I wanted to mention a couple of the places that we visited recently that we really liked. One is a bakery that is on Marsh Road in North Wilmington called Bread and Buttercream. It's very tiny in a strip mall. It's just a husband and wife who run it. Uh, the husband is a sort of classically trained baker from Europe. He does very old world style breads. I think his sourdough, which is like a pan au levain, for those of you who are really familiar with bread baking, is absolutely amazing. They are still open uh, and they are, they've set up the store too. So it's basically just one person at a time goes in. Uh, Stitch House Brewery is right on Market Street in downtown Wilmington. They are doing a decent amount of their menu available for takeout. You can also get growlers of their beer. You can get bottles of wine. I think their food's excellent. And they were incredibly appreciative when we went in a couple of weeks ago and got takeout. And the Big Fish Restaurant Group owns a number of restaurants in the Wilmington area. I believe three of their places are open right now. Washington Street Ale House, um, Bar Roja appears to be open and Mickey Moto's, which is a sushi place uh, in downtown Wilmington. And uh, Bar Roja is in the Trolley Square neighborhood. I believe you can also get gift cards for them as well. Just another place we're trying to support. Look in your local area. Look in your local papers. I know the Delaware News Journal and Delaware Today have both listed extensive lists of places. You could do that for the whole state of Delaware because you could put Delaware in your pocket. But every restaurant that they know of that is currently open and taking and doing some kind of takeout service. Finally, this week is likely to be an especially bad one for the United States, making it all the more critical that we try to stay home as much as possible uh, and avoid any unnecessary contact with people outside of our households. I have a cousin who's a doctor in Italy. Uh, she works in a hospital that's now dedicated to COVID-19 patients. And her advice a week ago was essentially just please stay home. Don't end up like us. If they, if Italy had maybe taken it more seriously sooner, caught it sooner, understood what was going on and told people to stay home sooner, maybe they wouldn't have ended up in the situation they're in. It's probably too late for us to avoid that here in the United States, but then again, it's never too late to start practicing this stuff. Stay home, do social distancing whenever you're outside of the house. Please try to stay safe. You can find The Keith Law Show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. If you listen on iTunes and you like the show, please leave us a five-star rating, and please tell your friends about the show. That's all for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>